Oh, what an icon. The guy from uh, on, his, uh, on the top of his hill. Uh, oh, Kelly Lowe from Porsche Lemberg. Yeah, oh, mate, that man. That man and his uh, extraordinary. Extraordinary. You, you had a bit of a man crush on, uh, on Kelly, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Ex-Animo Wine Coke podcast. I am David Clark. Before today's episode, just wanted to take a second and thank everybody for listening and all the messages of appreciation that we've been receiving. I'm very glad that at least some of you are enjoying the podcasts. I didn't really realize the amount of work I was getting myself into when I decided to release one episode a day during the lockdown here in South Africa. Um, especially as many of them run close to an hour um, and it takes obviously much longer than an hour to edit them. Uh, But never mind, happy to do it for a short time Um, and thanks again and please do share the podcast if you find it valuable. We are in the middle of a government enforced lockdown here in South Africa where the sale and movement of wine is at least now forbidden uh, domestically. The wineries can now export wine which is great for them. So to keep ourselves busy we have decided to release a new podcast episode every day during lockdown. Today on the podcast, we have Master Sommelier Nicolas Clerc. Uh, Nico is originally from the Savoie area of France in the French Alps, uh, north of Marseille, uh, but has lived and worked in the UK since 2003. He's a former Sommelier of the Year in the UK. He is currently working for Armit Wines as a brand manager, specializing more, mostly in Burgundy and Piedmont. Um, and he also worked for Fields Morrison Verdon um, as a prestige account manager. Obviously, he spent a long time in restaurants before that. Uh, he's also a board member for the Court of Master Sommeliers in Europe. We met in 2008 when we were both sommeliers at Vue de Mon restaurant in Melbourne. Nico visited South Africa for the first time in winter 2019, and we spent a few days together traveling around the winelands, visiting some of the best producers in the country. I wanted to chat with Nico to get his view on South African wine from a perspective of someone deep in the scene of the UK fine dining, or what it was before lockdown, and sommeliers working in Europe. As you will hear, Nico is a hugely passionate lover of wine and food, and it is almost impossible not to get carried away with him. Again, just a quick note on the quality of the audio. As we're in lockdown here in South Africa, we are relying on the internet to record these podcasts, and it doesn't always behave. Uh, we've done what we can to make it as listenable as possible, but there are moments in this episode where the audio is of a inferior quality. Apologies for that, but hopefully uh, you can listen through it. In the meantime, I give you Nicola Clerk, MS. I'm joined today by uh, Nicola Clerk. Hi, Nico. Hello, David. How are you, mate? Are you well? I'm very well, thank you. Cool, man. Um, maybe for those who don't know you, uh, maybe just a brief rundown of, of your life in wine. Uh, make that uh, last 20 years or so <laughs> into a few minutes. And, and what you're up to now, or what you were up to before, before we were all got told to go home and, and lock ourselves indoors. Okay. I'm Nicolas. I'm French. I've been living in UK for uh, since 2003, so that will make it 17 years now. Uh, I'm a professional, uh, professionally trained sommelier. Uh, by, uh, what I mean by that is I've uh, been studying, passing diploma back in France. So that was my original job. Uh, I had the luck to meet you as a sommelier uh, in Melbourne in 2008. So I arrived in uh, UK in 2003. What did I do then? Work uh, in the restaurant industry until 2014 and then uh, joined the 
dark side, as we call it, so uh, more uh, on the importer and distributor side. So I work for four and a half years for Berry Brothers, and then I'm now uh, with a company called Armitwine. Uh, my role has been evolving since I joined the distribution. So originally with Berry Brothers, I was a salesperson, selling wine to restaurants, hotels, uh, mostly in London, and now I'm uh, more on the buying side with Armit. So I'm uh, more looking after relationship uh, with people we import and uh, and buying them uh, them stuff so uh, that's me in 17 years during that time i uh, as a sommelier i, be- I became a sommelier of uk in 2007 uh, i passed my master sommelier in 2010 uh, I'm still well involved in the sommelier world uh, within UK because I'm the president of uh, what we call here Academy of Food and Wine Service, so which is uh, uh, the arm of uh, the ASI uh, in UK. So, uh, well involved in the sommelier world oh. and sommelier life. Are you still a board member on the Quartermaster Sommelier um, Europe Committee? Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Uh, I'm um, I'm a part of uh, of the board uh, in. Um, the Court of Master Sommelier Europe, mm-hmm. and I'm a part as well of the technical committee uh, for the Master Sommelier exam. So I'm mostly responsible. I'm a part of the of the committee who's put together the practical exam. Okay, cool, man. Um, so when you were with Barry, Barry Brothers and Radio, with sort of the the on trade section, the FMV. So what um, yeah. what South African producers were you working with there? Oh, we had, a, we had a good mix at that time. FMV uh, was, uh, and Berry Brothers were some of the pioneers uh, of, uh, of South Africa, of emerging uh, estates at that time in South Africa. Uh, namely, we were importing, um, our big one was uh, uh, Yeben Sadi, uh, then joined the Mulino. We had as well, what his name? Um, oh, I always forgot his name. Mick Craven uh, from Craven Wine, as well. Uh, when I was about to uh, to leave, we uh, we had up Sion uh, uh, of Sinai. We had Kershaw uh, So that was really the part of uh, what we uh, what you call or we call the new wave South Africa. But we had more initial state as well, on the back of Anthony Rupert. Waterford as well. So a good mix basically between the traditional summer South African estates which were, we have established Muslim Bosch uh, at the time 10-15 years ago maybe or maybe more than that and then uh, adopt the new wave basically. So it was very interesting uh, because uh, when I joined uh, literally uh, it was about uh, well, as you know um, London has been hosting uh, I think three new wave South African fair. And uh, when I joined, it was about the first one. Uh, so the, it, was, it was a real dynamism, uh, dynamic behind, uh, behind all those new producers arriving in the UK. Uh, it was quite cool, actually. Despite the fact, well, if we speak about uh, Sadi, for example, which is a pioneer, he, he's, been, he's, been, uh, he's been in the UK uh, back to the mid noughties but as much as end of the noughties Mulino was there as well. But uh, I think it's a really kick-off uh, around 2012, 13, basically 14, maybe. How did the, the restaurant trade receive them, the wines, at that time? And what was the prevailing opinion about where they could be used on lists, sort of as a sort of an admion, as a sort of like a, oh, you've not, I bet you've never had Tinza Baraka from Scotland before kind of thing? Or were they seen as more like this is actually top quality wines or a combination of everything? You know, at that time, you, um, 
you, you had uh, you had to uh, to analyze a few things. Uh, what was dominating the market? First of all, uh, so the market was dominated by. Uh, I'm not going to say brand because I hate that word, but by big estate basically or famous estate. You know, Merlust has been uh, has been performing extremely well. Uh, things like top of my head, yeah, Mer- Merlust is a big classic in UK. You had. Uh, other big names basically were dominating the market and all of a sudden you've got uh, more tiny producer, you had the Swartland uh, revolution at the same time, so everybody started to hear about Swartland because South Africa, what was South Africa before that? It was, uh, it was mostly Stellenbosch, you know, that's a very much uh, open um, wall, uh, I mean, uh, Stellenbosch, the image of Stellenbosch to me, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, was uh, was really an international image, basically. You know, that's where you were finding uh, all your international grapes. The wine were uh, uh, internationally orientated in terms of market as well, uh, strongly orientated with Europe or the States. So that, that was really much the image. And all of a sudden, you've got people arriving with with a terroir orientation as well. Uh, Swartland to me was really much in the new world, one of the initial uh, terroir orientated region, basically, where you can have felt uh, uh, the granite or the schist or uh, what, what, whatsoever is, um, is composing the, the terroir there. And so it was, uh, it was challenging because you had to introduce a lot of, uh, of them. But the wine were speaking by themselves, mostly. Price-wise, they were not the cheapest, uh, so that was uh, in need of uh, introduction as well. Why do they? Uh, why do they are not? Why they are not entry level? Or some of them were entry level, but uh, why they are uh, mid range to top end? Uh, why do they use uh, grape variety which are not maybe not uh, common to South Africa? You know, uh, they were not. Uh, here comes the Tinta Barocca, here comes the Sanso, uh, all of that. So it was a challenging time, but very exciting as well. So um, it, it took a bit of time to, to establish them, but, uh, you know, with the help of, of uh, wine critics, or uh, the reputation picked very, very quickly somehow. Uh, I, I tell you, it picked quite, uh, quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. So now, if you look at the market right now in UK, and in restaurant or hotel, you still have uh, the big name well represented, but... Uh, but a lot of market share have been taken by uh, by those new. It's uh, it's all positive. It's been all positive anyway. To establish those new wave of new producers, uh, which were coming, uh, most of them were. I mean, that was at that time was really much the revelation of Swartland, uh, and Swartland was coming, of course, with some Chenin Blanc, but as well uh, with uh, with a lot of uh, uncommon variety. Uh, you know, uh, why on earth uh, South Africa has uh, Tinta Barocca? Uh, what does, why is Sanso so pleasant uh, and has a completely new character as well of what is what you know. Uh, so that was an interesting time to introduce uh, some, uh, some great variety, uh, but mostly it's a real terroir as well. Uh, and I think that was the plus of um, those producers. It's to come with a, a good adaptation of uh, terroir with a great variety. Grenache was booming. If you take the example of Craven with his, uh, with his claret, uh, which is not longer there, but uh, that was quite interesting to, uh, to, to bring those wines because you know, uh, as I said, the, the market was for South Africa was really much stuck with Chenin Blanc and uh, and Bordeaux blend basically, uh, and mostly in Stellenbosch. 
So it's it's an interesting one because the, the producers started to produce more sort of vineyard wines, I suppose, um, rather than than market wines. In terms of they were looking to express something they found in the vineyards rather than create something that is ready for the market. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do agree, and, and you know, it's as well. Uh, that scene of, uh, I mean, the restaurant scene as well has been changing uh, a lot, you know, and, uh, and the sommelier job has been involving a lot uh, on the last 15, 20 years. And there is more and more precision as well. And there is dishes which are more and more orientated with terroir, with soul. And, uh, and, and what those sommeliers and those people in restaurants uh, looking at, it's, it's wine with soul, basically. And, uh, and some more, you know, there's a great example of, uh, of international variety, but uh, with a real character and terroir character in South Africa. I've got a memory, a fond memory of a bottle you, uh, you offer me from a Restless River uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. I think it's, to me, it's one of the best Cabernet Sauvignon I tried, uh, I tried in South Africa. And there's, a, there's an unusual way of producing it, but it's, uh, it's put on. And, you know, and there is a real gastronomic character. So that's what people in restaurants will look yeah. So was it was it the restaurant? What sort of restaurants were the first to sort of jump on top of the the new wave of South African wine and, and really embrace it and, and champion it? I think I think it took time for the real uh, Swiss star to start Michelin to uh, to uh, to come there. You know, mm. uh, it's it's it really started with. Uh, <coughs> me, it really started in um, in uh, mostly wine bar. Uh, Mostly wine bar, East uh, East London uh, <coughs> wave, uh, where uh, those um, those kind of restaurants or those this scene of East London has been uh, a real dynamic scene as well uh, for uh, for UK. Huh? Uh, so it's really started there, um, and then step by step he started to join uh, fine uh, fine dining basically. Uh, Fine dining is, uh, you know, it's it's a type of clientele. Uh, when you are in a wine bar uh, in a cool place in East London, uh, you want to, um, I mean, you, you've got a real interest on uh, on what you drink. There's a real vibe uh, around what you drink. In fine dining, uh, you've got a most establi- uh, more established clientele, which are... Uh, let's say the label drinker because it's not very really right or it's, yeah, it has changed. Uh, but people take a bit less risk uh, in fine dining and, uh, and more and more, uh, it took time, but more and more, I think, uh, through wine pairing, tasting menu, uh, those ones have been established and, uh, and more accepted. A big part of, uh, of some of the wine program if in, uh, in top end restaurants in London, you know, or in UK. But uh, so- don't... So don't take me wrong as well, you know, uh, uh, people like Sadie or uh, the Mulineux have been established very, very quickly in, uh, in fine dining as well. I'm speaking more about uh, the second wave of the new wave somehow. Make sense? No, absolutely. Obviously, that new wave, the, the original crest of the wave was, was headed by the Swatland and other areas with other varietal makeups. Uh, have come after that. Have they been embraced as well? I'm thinking of something like Hunter Storm or Cristellum with Pinot Noir and, and Chardonnay. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. D- d- yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, d- yeah, the first wave was really much Rotland and no, um, uh, everything. I mean, you know, you, you know, uh, you know that scene far more than me. But uh, when you uh, when you meet those guys, when you uh, when you test what test what they're doing, it's uh, it's incredible. So uh, yeah, of course. Uh, but you know, uh, ML and Hard has been uh, has been established uh, through uh, again Bouchard Filizen, for example, uh, where were there from uh, from a, a very early uh, early stage in uh, in UK. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. But then, then after uh, people like uh, even some people like Newton Johnson, you know, uh, and what 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 they've been doing and how they've been evolving, and then came Kristallum, uh, then came uh, Anes Storm. Uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, step by step they established themselves. But what they're doing is world class. So of course, of so you're not finding you're not finding that people are. Um, it's it's a hard it's a it's an easier conversation now talking about South African wine and. Uh, than it was sort of 10 years ago when you first... Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time, yeah. Uh, big time. Now the, the issue is uh, where it's starting to be uh, a bit uh, more difficult. It's, it's, you know, it's a coded, uh, coded market as well, you know. Uh, there mm-hmm. are many, many importers in the UK. Um, and, uh, and now there is, uh, and there is many, many producers, you know. Uh, and uh, when you see... Uh, uh, the last edition of New Wave South Africa uh, in September last year uh, gathered 600 or 700 people uh, uh, in London. It was queue outside. We were not able to 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 to, to, uh, to enter all in the same time. I mean that's that's a real uh, real, real proof of success. You know, there is demand for it basically. Yeah, that, and then awesome. in but as well uh, in uh, retail is booming with. Uh, and um, yes, those channels are, uh, are, are very much embrace those new producers. I think if there is a channel which is a bit slower, it might be the private customer uh, channel. Uh, you know, because those wine are some of them are collectible or profitable. You know, but uh, on that uh, on that view, uh, maybe uh, maybe the private uh, the collection uh, collector uh, side is a bit more slower. But it, it's not a bad thing either. To be fair, at least you've got to prove that the one are, are drunk and enjoy at home or at uh, in restaurant and they are not piling uh, somewhere in a warehouse uh, waiting to. Uh, growing value. I mean, some of them in South Africa are, um, are highly uh, prized by collector, but, uh, but not, not all of them, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, and price-wise, I mean, there have been a steady increase in price in some of these producers over time. Is that, are they reaching sort of, um, are, they, are they reaching the end of their market in terms of pricing or is there still a way to go, do you think? That's a good question. Uh, I think I think there is there is to price can in, uh, can grow, but again that should be uh, that should be um, that should be quite maintained and that should be quite uh, st- uh, well the pace of grow, growing in terms of price should be slow as well because uh, uh, yeah right now uh, right now when uh, when a restaurant is buying uh, a wine between, uh, if a restaurateur or a sommelier is buying a wine between 20 and 30 pounds, it's, that's been, there is a possibility of that wine to be uh, poor by the glass, but, and to generate volume, but there is more growth between uh, a selling price of 10 to 15, rather than 20 to 30, basically. So, yeah. uh, so I think I think uh, it's 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 essential to have a producer to me to have a wine which is a kind of entry level, uh, which represents what you're doing with a bit more quantity, uh, which going to give you a representation in bar or restaurant with a bit more volume, and then after you've got mid range to top end, which are more positioning in terms of placing them into a fine dining or uh, influential place. And uh, yeah, that's on that way, price-wise, 
producers need to be careful. Uh, you, you don't want to end up uh, as Burgundy uh, right now, basically. Yeah, right. Sense. Again, uh, but, I, mean, I mean the Burgundy. I mean the Burgund, Burgundy is still selling out, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's still selling out, but uh, but you're looking at uh, a bunch of uh, fifty to eighty top producers, uh, which are highly in demand worldwide. And then after, uh, there is spectrum of other producers which sell. Do they sell out? Not really sure. Uh, do they sell out fast? Not really sure or fast enough. So, uh, you know, it's, um, uh, yeah, Burgundy is working very well. Uh, but again, there is, a, there is a spectrum of 50 to 80 producers which working very, very well. All yeah. the rest is not a struggle. Uh, because the demand is there, but the price are sky high as well, yes. uh, so, which is dangerous. You know, if you look for, for a Chardonnay at, uh, at a restaurant price, uh, a restaurateur will buy for £12. Uh, but at least not in that, uh, that frame of price anymore, so, uh, yep. or very hardly. So, um, is there a bit of a vacuum where Burgundy was, or like sort of um, uh, village and regional Burgundy was, and that's being, other wines are being sucked up into that area that into that price point that, uh, that those... Uh, oh, yeah, 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 definitely. And that's, that's opening, that's opening uh, market uh, share on the market for some other wine region, you know? Mm. Uh, because, uh, yeah, um, there is... Um, yeah, to, to find a, a Burgundy that a restaurant will buy uh, less than 18 pounds now, uh, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. So all under that price, it's, uh, it's beneficial for whatever... Uh, Grapes or wine region is coming from as long as quality is there, there is potential. Just going to quick, ask a quick question on, on two specific or three specific styles of wine. Um, yep. First being Shannon Blanc sort of cake blend. So, you know, Shannon 10 and blended usually with sort of a Viognier or um, Semignon, uh, but Shannon based blends. Is, that, is there some following um, for those sort of wines or, or is the, the market there more geared towards single varietal wines? Of course, uh, I mean, if, you, uh, if you're looking at, uh, again, what's, uh, what is South Africa right now, the image of South African wine, Chenin Blanc has established itself as nearly a unique style uh, mm -hmm. in the world, you know, uh, because the Chenin you find in, uh, in South Africa has nothing, nearly nothing in common when, uh, with uh, what you find in the Loire Valley. So to me, uh, South Africa and has established an identity there. Uh, as much as it started to, uh, as some producers start to establish themselves with uh, with Rondelaine or even Grenache. Uh, after you know, we were speaking about Burgundy. Uh, what's what makes makes Burgundy a success? He's a producer behind as well. You know, uh, everybody wants to uh, to drink some Rouleau. So as soon as uh, Rouleau is uh, producing or is launching his uh, Aligoté. Uh, people don't care. If they, nearly don't care if they drink an aligoté or, uh, or bourgogne blanc from uh, from Rouleau. They drink a Rouleau, you know. So if tomorrow uh, Chris and Andrea Mulliner uh, release a Chenin Viognier blend, as long as it's good, it's uh, it might be a success, you know, uh, without any doubt. So I'm, I'm not. I think I think you are. Uh, we are now in front of. Uh, Quality in South Africa is through the people as well, and uh, customer will follow people basically. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think the most important factor in buying South African wine, and this is probably true in most places, not all, but most places, is the producer. I mean, follow the producer, and you'll get 
and you'll be less disappointed than if you follow a particular region or a particular vintage. Or a particular grape, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, or a particular uh, grape, exactly. Uh, I think the only problem, uh, I mean, the only grape struggling right now in South Africa uh, for South African, uh, for South African customer will be, uh, will be Pinotage. But that was my next question. <laughs> but I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure you, you're going to uh, you got the remedy for that because uh, yeah. that's your next project and uh, I mean that is a, a real project for you and uh, but uh, more and more so you 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 find uh, pinotage from uh, from South Africa uh, coming with um, I mean again Sion uh, of Sinai uh, producing an extraordinary one yours yours is very mm-hmm. good. I was very pleased to discover it. So, uh, mm-hmm. what was your question then? I've, I've, no, it was really. It was really. What, what is the? Um, is Pinotage still seen as a bit of a, a joke variety and a bit of, and sort yeah. of like a yeah. The, yeah, in UK definitely, mostly in the yeah. sommelier world as well. Mm-hmm. And as well, you know, he has an image. Uh, I will not say that, but uh, he still have yeah, he still have a supermarket image as well. You know, uh, yeah. cheap sheets that you find in a, in a, in a supermarket shelf. Uh, if there is a way to grow uh, in South Africa, it might be through that. I don't know. Is there? I, I named uh, yours. Uh, I named. Um, I named the uh, Cyan of Sinai Pinotage. Is there any other? There's more and more every day. I mean, there's the blacksmith uh, Pinotage, uh, which is very, very good. Probably the Spion Cop wines can be very nice. Um, they're slightly heavier than than the ones I've just been spe- speaking about out of out of Elgin. Well, one of them is out of Stellenbosch and one of them is out of Elgin. But uh, I mean, I've been a big fan of the Beaumont Pinotage as a sort of a more as a, as a very good example of the classic style of Pinotage in terms of yeah. it doesn't it doesn't go too hard, uh, but it goes hard enough that you know what it is and it and it has this aspect. Um, now, Pinotage, I think has a very unique fruit profile, um, which can be very haunting and very um, memorable and very ga- uh, very gastronomic in a way because it has this sort of like a, a cut, a sourness, similar to sort of like a dolcetto or some Northern Italian reds, um, which, you know, works really well with, uh, with, with fatty, smoky foods. So You know, I remember when I, uh, when I arrived in UK, the image I had from South Africa, mostly red, was that uh, very tar, burn rubber character, which you were finding a lot within Pinotage grapes, yeah. but as well a lot within other wine, other red wine, basically. So uh, I don't know things. I don't know. Uh, I, I believe la- last time we see each other, we spoke about it. Uh, what was? Um, I mean, a lot of people are speaking about making making process uh, was giving that uh, or vinification was giving that character to the wine it's it's a character you 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 nearly find less and less or nearly doesn't exist anymore you know? yeah i mean i spoke to um to rosa Kriya about this the uh, very important viticulturist in the country and she oh what a woman i had the pleasure to meet her with, oh we had we had breakfast there. we had breakfast yeah. together didn't we? yeah uh, and that for once was, uh, was... And, for, and for once neither of us got a word in <laughs> um she seems to think it's it's oh, well. This is obviously what um, uh, she's uh, she's biased in this way, but she thinks it's the viticulture is is, is improved massively um, yeah. in the country, and there's less and less leaf roll issues, which is a, a virus uh, yeah. which inhibits um, the end of ripening for the grapes. So the the, the vine shut down, and, and so people needed to extract more to get more flavour and colour out of their grapes. Uh, in the winery, mm. and that was leading to more extraction-based issues, thus the rubber, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I'm not sure it's actually ever been solved in terms of agreed-upon consensus has been developed within the industry. I think everyone's got their own kind of related uh, opinions on it, but that seems yeah. to be the most common one that's held. 
um, currently. Mm. The, 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 the viticulture is, and obviously the wine production being, producers being a little bit more attentive um, to the specific needs of different varieties and different harvests and um, being a little bit more careful, I suppose, in the winery. And in terms of uh, bubbles, um, there's a uh, MCC, Method uh, Cac Classique, uh, in yep. South Africa. Is uh, Before I moved here, I didn't know, had no idea that there was such a, a large category. Is that, does that have any footprint in the UK at all, or is it all sort of Prosecco, Cava, and Champagne? Yeah, you, you name it, Jim. No, not yet, not yet. Do you, think we, that, uh, do you think that could be something in the future that, that South Africa could, uh, could take advantage of, or is it, is it just too oh, different? Yeah, well, I, you know, at the end, uh, you know, uh, for some producer, you know, to have uh, an MCC, it's, uh, it's completing a, sp- a spectrum of offering. So what, what, you know, there a lot of producers will have a, a sparkling, they will have a rosé, some white, some red, maybe a sweet. So that's, to, 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 uh, as an offering for an estate, I think it's, uh, it's, it's quite interesting. Maybe you know more than me, uh, is there some people in South Africa only producing uh, MCC? Yeah, Colmont uh, is one, Lude is one, um, oh, Genevieve, okay. who I work with locally, is one. Um, but they, they, only produce, they only produce MCC? Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, there's a handful, but they, they tend to make the best ones as well. I mean, the others, as you say, okay. are, are sort of add-ons. So for obviously wine, wine tourism is huge in South Africa. So once yeah. you have the people in the winery, you need to give them a bubbles to start with. And um, so there's a bit of an add-on in that sense. Uh, but um, there's some nice wines. Obviously, you, climactically, you don't automatically associate South Africa with uh, with bubbles or you know um, champagne method bubbles. But there are pockets of of really good producers for sure. What about what about brandy? I mean, when when I was working in the UK, I worked at Harrods in '04 and '05. That's where I met Jeanette. She was working there yeah. also. So we were on the on the oh, retail nice. side of things with uh, Mr. Alistair Viner. Um, a very important yeah. person in both Jeanette and I's um, development in wine. I'd never seen more cognac and champagne bought and sold and drank while I was there coming from Australia. I mean, yeah. champagne or sparkling wine was only really a, a celebratory drink, but people were drinking it for pleasure and for gastronomic purposes. That was the first time I'd really seen it happen in that scale. So that's why I asked about the MCC. Um, and what about brandy? I mean, is, is that still a, or is, is, is brown spirits dying a death? I mean, there is, um, but it, first of all, you know, the, the bar scene in UK has never been as uh, booming as it is right, well, not right now, uh, because it's completely shut down, but uh, <laughs> as it was a few, few weeks ago, uh, a few weeks ago, you know, well, it's, it's a world which is shut down anyway, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there is the cocktail scene, first of all. It's been incredible in UK, you know, uh, some of the best bars in the world are in, are in London. So there is, um, as a cocktail, as a, maybe a component of a cocktail, why not? Uh, after it's a market which is very dominated by, uh, by type, mostly rather than brand, you know, whiskey, cognac, armagnac, calvados. And then why not? But I think, uh, I think the, you will have to be patient uh, to establish uh, a type of, Wendy or a brand or a producer to establish himself will take a bit of time. Yeah. Fortunately enough, you've got Amarula, which is everywhere in UK. So. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> As you mentioned, you were out last year. I had the, uh, the pleasure of showing you around uh, a few days last winter. So maybe chat to us about um, 
uh, about that experience and what was surprising. And I mean, we didn't see any baboons, which was very disappointing for you. No, yeah, that was, uh, yes, uh, just to come back for that. Um, no, yeah. first of all, thanks to you and to your family because uh, I had, a, I had a, a memorable time. As, as uh, I was basically, uh, to, to, uh, to uh, come back to the context why I was in South Africa uh, as uh, a buyer for our meat, I'm responsible, uh, we bring two uh, producers. Uh, from South Africa, uh, and again, two uh, very different producers. We've got uh, Deler Graf in Stellenbosch, uh, which bring us uh, a more international style somehow, which is a brand as well, which is quite well known uh, in UK. And then we've got uh, a smaller producer called Momento, uh, so she's based in, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's Broad River. Um, and uh, so I was uh, coming to visit uh, those, uh, those two, uh, what we call agency in the UK, so those two producers. And uh, in the same time, I had to, like, to pass a, a whole week and you organized some truly memorable visits. Uh, so I was, uh, I was very pleased to pass some time with you to, uh, to see finally see the vineyard in, in South Africa because I've been a big fan for, for many, many years. Uh, to see some friends as well, uh, uh, which I haven't seen for a long time. And simply to pass some time with people. And I think it was very, uh, very, very uh, interesting. What, what did I bring with me was, uh, was mostly the, the, the memory of the people. Uh, I mean, some, uh, some evening we had together. Uh, that evening we had uh, Marilis uh, from Momento uh, place with John, Peter was there. You were there, Peter, Peter Allen, I mean, mm -hmm. to, uh, to have a lot of producers together, standing by each other. The communities uh, surprised me in South Africa. And then after, when I seen them all in, uh, in London in September, because it was a very short, time of, short period of time in between, you had the same feeling, you know. So I, I seen everything uh, during that week. I seen the... The people, the friendly people, friendly between each other, because on take me wrong, if you go to, uh, you know, if you go to Bordeaux, for example, and you've got a producer uh, welcoming you, he will never want his neighbor to come uh, to, to see you, or very hardly, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. that, that camaraderie was very, very interesting. So uh, I, I witnessed that. I witnessed as well uh, something which was very, very um, important to me was uh, as well, uh, you, you meet an icon, uh, Butch at uh, Alette, Vineyard, and then he introduces you to his protege, you know, the guy who's working with him and which is developing on his own as well uh, with, um, with Lawrence, uh, Lawrence uh, what's the name of uh, Franco Vigne? Lawrence Family One, so. Yeah, Lawrence Family One. So you've got, you got that kind of passing over of uh, an icon to, uh, to someone else to develop people, basically. So that was, for me, very, very interesting. I uh, really enjoy as well uh, our time uh, with Luca von... Uh, <laughs> Luca von... Yeah, that's the one. I was very impressed by his relation uh, he had with his, uh, him as a winemaker, but the relation he had with... Um, Oh, I don't remember his name. He's Viticulturist. Yeah, with Danny. And I thought the, the, the pair together was were very, very fascinating. And you understand why, why the guy is able to produce such a, such a good wine, such good wines because of his relation. I thought that was, uh, that was, uh, that was very, very interesting. And yeah, the people we met, you know, uh, 
the icon, uh, Andreas and, uh, and Chris Mulineux, Yebed, but, uh, Butch, uh, but as well as all the new generation, uh, it was a, it was memorable, honestly. And again, the, that, I remember our time, but, uh, as well, uh, oh, what an icon. The guy from, uh, on his, uh, on the top of his hill, uh, oh, Kelly Lowe from Porsche Lemberg. Yeah. Oh, mate, that man, that man and his era, uh, extraordinary, extraordinary. You, you had a bit of a man crush on uh, on Kelly, didn't you? Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's uh, I don't know. I, I found the personality fascinating. You know, he's he, he's like the yeah, living in the top of that hill, uh, one of the best terroir I've seen, and one one of the best ones in South Africa is uh, yeah, eating it's, it's, wow. it, yeah. There's a reason why I took you there. It's also one of my favorites, um, and I make sure I have a few bo- a few few bottles every year. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's but, incredible. But Kelly is a real man's man, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, it's I don't know. I, I had I had such a great time, honestly. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad. No, I was just was more, more talking about sort of. Um, but I'm I'm glad you had such a great time and you and that the people you met sort of made such a an impact on you. But my question was a bit more boring than unfortunately. Uh, it was more about the stylistic choices people are making here. Do you think there's Anything that uh, you tasted on that trip or, or sort of glimpses of what was seen that sort of reveals the future about what South Africa should do in the, in, in the UK market in terms of moving forward and, 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 and gaining a bigger foothold? Or is it just sort of continue down the path that they're on? Oh, but there's a, you know, there's, a, there's an evolution as well, you know. Uh, when I started to discover some of the, I mean, Sadie uh, wine or Chris uh, and Andrea uh, Mulino wine, they were, they were the icon, they were the original one, uh, as Danny. Uh, and now after you got, uh, you got another level, which uh, what uh, Butch has been doing at, uh, at, uh, at Alet, uh, I, I think it's, it's incredible. He has brought the Chenin uh, to, uh, to, uh, to another level. You know? uh, I was telling him that, because uh, what we, we were mostly, te- yeah, we were testing 18 vintage. I mean, the, the, the minerality, the freshness, the tension he has in those wines. Uh, I, I had the feeling that I was tasting my first uh, back in 2003 when I arrived in UK. And you, you discover your first uh, uh, Riesling cabinet from, uh, from Mosul, you know, that's mm. electric, electricity in your spine, you know. Uh, I, I think that's for me, that's the future. It's, uh, it's, it's even going deeper into the terroir. And more and more, you will find that, you know, you, you've got... Uh, yeah, there's a similar feeling when I first, the, the, my first really serious uh, Barolo Barbaresco, that, that same feeling is like, I can't believe that wine like this exists. And, uh, and, 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 they, uh, and they're still evolving, you know, and they're still finding uh, more and more precision. It's, uh, and I think, I think now that uh, South Africa and some wine region are in South Africa are established, uh, it's 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 uh, the way they will uh, they will go, you know, deeper and deeper on that precision of their part. Uh, what I would like to see more, uh, I think it's uh, and I think it's happening as well already. It's uh, it's a new profile of Stellenbosch wine, uh, mm-hmm. you know, losing a bit that international character that uh, we were uh, I was mentioning earlier on, and going more and more in. Uh, precision and terroir expression. And I think I think definitely that's happening more and uh, more. And after. Have more crazy uh, pre- uh, people, you know. Uh, mm. the, on the well, back of Craig at uh, Receiver, you know. Uh, yes. Experimenting more and more with uh, with vinification, uh, taking some different path, basically. 
You'll be pleased to know you didn't actually end up uh, releasing that um, uh, Sauvignon Cabernet Franc, Franc blend. I know, I know, because I test the final result. Uh, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I that's, mate. that's a much better choice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, think, I think he released uh, um, a straight Sauvignon Blanc, but from uh, he, he blend basically uh, three different vinification. I don't remember. What yes, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. So a bit of skins and a bit of carbonic maceration, and yeah. Um, yeah. Just a couple more questions. Natural wine in the UK seems to be one of the hot spots. London and obviously New York and uh, uh, natural wine seems to be one of the hot spots in the world for, for natural wine consumption. Um, yep. Obviously, a calf to Peren has been leading that charge. Um, is that, I mean, from your side of things, which is obviously probably adjacent to what's happening there, is that a, a category that um, has embedded itself in the top end of fine dining scene in, in London, or is it still sort of that more wine bar, edgier type places? Oh, no, no, no. It's uh, natural wine has established, uh, has been established. Uh, a lot of people were speaking about trend and things like that, but uh, no, no, it's, uh, it's established now. It's, uh, it's everywhere. So uh, as long as it's, uh, as long as it's, uh, it's clean, you know, and I think we passed that way of, uh, you know, 10 years ago, five, well, we don't, yeah, time is flying. 10 years ago, you were, uh, you were finding everything in that category. Uh, so some very bad wine, Mousy, uh, but people have been uh, fine tuning, uh, be, be, became far more precise. No, no, there is, there is definitely a space uh, in fine dining. Uh, yeah, right. A lot of them have, have become far more gastronomic than they used to be, and uh, it's established yeah. and it's, you have to stay. So, uh, well, I think uh, the market, in, in a lot of ways, like the global market, I mean, has sort of weeded out the, the really uh, badly made wines. I mean, they're just people just yeah. not buying them. Yeah. Is it a scene which is booming in South Africa? Uh, no, it's not booming. There's a, there's a, there's a very small but dedicated pocket. Um, so Testalonga, Interlago, JH Mayer slash Mother Rock. But I think that they are export-driven uh, producers, like most that we've been talking about um, in South Africa. But I think them even more so uh, are reliant on the UK um, trade and Japan being uh, another one that has stepped up to the plate recently in terms of making a bigger bigger percentage of their exports. In terms of uh, South Africa in general, I mean, I'm painting with very broad brushstrokes, so I'm giving you a lot of leeway to answer the question however you wish. Is there any other uh, regions or countries that are competing in the same spaces in the same Categories and the same price points as South Africa that um, that South Africa should be aware of, like Greece or something mean, like that. Or are oh, you mean a new world, or you mean uh, no, no, anywhere? No, not necessarily new world, as as you see it. Uh, you know, to me, uh, again, I'm coming back to, to that initial comment I, I made earlier on. Uh, to me, uh, South Africa was very much uh, the country which from new world which step up. Uh, with real notion of terroir, and that is thanks to uh, to Rosa and to Yeben uh, in the late uh, in the late 90s. And uh, in terms of new world, I think uh, South Africa has inspired a lot of for the new world country. You know, I think things are happening on the same way more and more in Chile. Uh, Argentina is defining more and more than terroir as well. So that is very very positive in terms. Um, in terms of Europe, uh, yeah, of course, uh, you've got, I mean, all the Eastern, Eastern Europe uh, have been uh, Croatia, uh, Slovakia, uh, have been uh, Greece, uh, have, been, have been stepping up. Uh, I think what is very uh, 
a great dynamism right now, it's happening in Spain as well. Spain, uh, um, again, very similar uh, this year uh, with uh, London host uh, a tasting called Vignateros, which was the second edition. I think the last one was three years ago. And it was really concentrated on a new wave of Spanish producers coming, uh, coming on the market, you know, breaking a bit the, the idea of Spain and, uh, and mostly uh, the idea of, uh, of uh, Rioja, of uh, very traditional style of Rioja. And, uh, and there is some, uh, some producers coming from a region like Vierzo, Ribera Sacra, Gredos, Penedes, uh, are doing some very, very incredible, uh, incredible wine. Uh, What's happening um, in the sommelier world in the UK? Anything interesting there or is it just going great guns as usual because you're part of it? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we're still in isolation for how long we don't know. Yes. So uh, we don't know uh, when life will, uh, will restart, to be fair, and how uh, life will restart. It will yeah. be different. Uh, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, a, small, a lot of uh, small importers uh, have been struggling uh, because of that. Uh, restaurants, uh, a lot of them will close, uh, yes. unfortunately. A lot, you know, the staff uh, in restaurants, uh, a lot of uh, staff are foreigners. So uh, once uh, they lose their job, a uh, lot of uh, Italian, French uh, people or, uh, have gone back home uh, during that time. Will they come back? I don't know. Uh, so it's uh, I don't know how it will restart, David. To be fair, but it, it will be uh, it will be a good period of joy. That's for sure. As a human being, we will be uh, released from our house and we will uh, enjoy life as a community. But mm -hmm. life will be uh, will take a bit of time to. Uh, come back to what it was I guess what restaurant are you going to go back to what's the first restaurant you're going to go back to and uh, when it, uh, if you could go to tomorrow what restaurant would you go and what would you order oh I will I will go I will maybe not go to a, to a restaurant but I will uh, probably go to a wine bar smash, smash a few bottles of wine with some good friends I will uh, probably uh, go to Noble Rot uh, Noble Rot or uh, 40 uh, Malby Street uh, Diogen and the Dog I don't know mm -hmm. things like that but yeah, but just, uh, just, yeah, catch just, up with friend. just do a wine bar crawl, just do all of them in one day. Yeah, and maybe restart to work a bit, you know. Uh, <laughs> this is work, isn't it? We're talking about wine? Yeah, well, it's been working. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I'm looking forward to be able to travel again as well. Uh, yeah. I've got a lot of catch-up to, uh, to, uh, to do with, uh, with producer, mostly in Burgundy. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm looking forward to go back to Burgundy, to Piedmont. Uh, we have to go back to Bordeaux as well because uh, primer uh, primer uh, week have been uh, postponed, so we don't know when it's going to happen. So to test uh, the 19 vintage. So uh, so that's uh, and work in an office as well because working from home is uh, is a bit difficult. All right, Nico. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate the time you spent. Stay well, stay strong, and uh, and we'll see each other again soon, hopefully. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to see you, uh, you, your family. So uh, stay safe, stay uh, stay home, stay healthy, and um, and yeah, catch up very soon, my dear friend.